0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter one. We're in verse eighteen, where as we look at the birth of Christ, Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. Let's pray together. Father, we do say thank you, and we celebrate your love. We thank you that through the gift of your Son Jesus, that you wash away all of our shame, and that we're forgiven. And we're here to proclaim your name, Jesus. We're here to glorify you. And we ask that you would cause your love to resound in our hearts afresh. That we would have a greater understanding and appreciation for your love. So would you send your spirit to lead us and guide us in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Matthew gives us the account of Christ being born into the world. And as we read in John chapter one, Jesus being the creator. And think of Christ speaking all things into existence from the mountains, to the stars, to the sun, to the galaxies, the majesty of Christ as the creator. But also the majesty of Christ as God. Jesus is God. God in human flesh being born. And now we have the account of Christ coming into the world. And this is a mystery, the magnitude of this. It's mind-blowing when we think about it. God coming in human flesh and being born in the manger. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed, they're engaged, and all of a sudden, Mary is pregnant, not of Joseph, but of the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth was a sign that God was sending his son. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter seven, God said that this would be a sign of the coming Messiah was the virgin birth. It stands out because no one else has been conceived this way. In verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly there's a difference between engagement and being betrothed. Being betrothed, it was a, a legal contract that they made with one another. To To break this did involve a divorce. They had to go and get this taken care of legally. And Joseph's saying, the relationship's done. We're not going to get married. He wanted to do it in a respectful way because he was a, a just man, but he was not believing the virgin birth. Can you believe, can you blame him for that? That he wouldn't believe this story from mary thankfully god intervenes in verse 20 but while he thought about these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david don't be afraid to take to you mary your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the holy spirit he has a dream the angel speaking to him in the dream and says this is of the lord this is of the Holy Spirit." So go ahead and move forward in your commitment to be married to Mary. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His name is to be Jesus. You're going to have a boy. You're going to have a son, and you need to call him Jesus because his name means that he's going to save the people from their sins. Why do we love and appreciate the name of Jesus so much is because it describes and declares the mission of Christ, that he came to die for our sins. As Christ was born in the manger, the cross is in view. He came for a purpose, God in human flesh, to go to the cross to die for our sins. As Jay was rapping just a moment ago and celebrating the love of Christ, he said, he sang to us that he takes away all of our shame. If you know Christ as your savior, then you're living in the forgiveness of God. This Christmas Eve, we're not living in the guilt and the condemnation and the weight and the heaviness of our sin. And that's an incredible gift that God gives to us. And if you don't know Christ as your savior, if you choose to trust him this evening, this night, he'll lift off of you the burden of your sin. He'll lift off of you the weight of your sin and be able to provide forgiveness for you. And so salvation, it involves knowing the forgiveness of God. David, as he sinned, confessed to the Lord and experienced the forgiveness of God, God lifting that weight off of of him. But salvation doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with, with forgiveness alone. Thankfully, when God saves us, he doesn't just go, well, you know, you're forgiven, you're saved, but stay over there. I don't want anything to do with you. He saves us for the purpose of relationship that we could be his sons and his daughters, that we would be adopted by God, this close relationship with God. I have an older brother that's 22 months older than me and a younger sister who's nine years younger. My sister, she was adopted. Our family, we had the privilege of being able to adopt her. My parents had the ability to be able to choose to adopt her. When my brother and I were born, it's like, well, that's what we got. We got two boys. This is, this is what it is. I remember it was a four or five year process. And there would be these binders on our kitchen table of all of the kids in Oregon that needed families, that needed parents, and they would go through this binder and pray about who the Lord wanted them to adopt, and God put my sister Heidi upon their heart, and she's such a a joy in our family. To be saved, for Jesus to save us as we trust Christ for salvation, we become the sons and daughters of God. You are the daughter of God. You are the son of God, If you choose to receive Christ, then you will become the child of God. It'll be given to you the right, the legal authority to become the child of God. But salvation doesn't stop there. We have forgiveness of sin, we have relationship, but we also have a sure, certain, confident eternity. The Christian life is not all about this life. It's about eternal life, isn't it? Jesus said, in this life, there's going to be can kickings. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Don't let your heart be troubled because I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, what comforts our hearts is heaven. As we trust Christ for salvation, we have everlasting life. And to be able to rejoice in our salvation or to choose Christ and experience salvation to know that you have everlasting life. The reason that Christ came is because we have a sin problem. Our sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one gets a pass on sin, do they? We all contribute to this sin pool, this cesspool pool of sin And that's why Christ had to come. But Romans goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So my sin earns me death, earns me physical death, eternal separation from God. But as we look at this amazing gift of Christ, as he is born in the manger, his gift, his death and resurrection brings life to those who believe to where we have eternal life. So how do you receive this salvation? In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, It's a personal choice that we each get to make. We each get to wrestle with who is Jesus? Is this just a fairy tale or is this really God in human flesh? Did he live a perfect life? Did he die upon the cross? Did he rise again? Could he really love me? And as you choose to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth, there's this amazing promise where God then gives to you eternal life. So simple, but yet so profound. And what's the choice that you've made with Christ? And if you have received Christ as your Savior, rejoice in your salvation. Amen. Salvation is the well which causes us to live in gratitude. January 13, 1982, it was an Air Florida flight leaving from the Washington, D.C. area, the Washington National Airport to go to Fort Lauderdale. Very quickly, the plane began to have problems and fell into the Potomac River. Seventy-four people died. Four people survived. One was a lady named Priscilla. She's swimming in the Potomac River. There's ice in the river, getting weak, starting to drown, and a man named Lenny is standing on the shore, and he can't take it anymore. He throws off his coat, jumps into the water, and saves her life as she was interviewed sometimes later, she said, Lenny Sucknick is an angel. She was rejoicing in the fact that she had been saved. And you may not have a lot of quote unquote good things happening in your life right now. There may not be anything under the tree. There may be physical challenge, relational difficulty. But yet, if you're a believer and you're in Christ, what we're able to rejoice in is I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. I'm the child of God. I'm going to heaven. We go on in this text in Matthew. It says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Prophesied, by Isaiah the prophet, saying that the Christ child would be born of a virgin and he would be Emmanuel, God with us. So Joseph's having this dream, God's revealing his plan about Jesus, that Jesus is the savior of the world, but also that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And we think about this in two aspects, in two ways. The first is when Christ came in human flesh, God was with humanity in a much more personal way. The disciples experienced literally God being with them in human flesh. Then also, when Christ died and rose again for all who believe, Christ lives in us. To where Jesus makes the promise, and He says, "I will never leave you or forsake you." Sometimes I wonder, did He know what He was getting Himself into when He made that promise to me? All right. Some days aren't too pretty in our lives, Amen. All right, and thankfully Jesus doesn't leave us on those difficult days, doesn't leave us when we sin, doesn't leave us when we turn our back on him. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll always be with you. My prayer for you this Christmas and this Christmas season is that God would take away despair and he would give you hope even as believers. Where does hope come from? It comes from the reality that I will never face a day in this life where Christ is not with me. So I don't know what's going to happen. There may be things that I'm worried about, things that I'm concerned about, things that I'm overwhelmed about, but Jesus is the anchor to my soul. Jesus is the one that's going to see me through. He is going to be with me. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and didn't know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph obeys this message that came to him from the Lord through the angel. Chooses to marry Mary, doesn't know her intimately until after Christ is born. When Christ is born, Joseph says, we're naming him Jesus. His name is gonna be Jesus. He's gonna save people from their sins. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is given. Jesus is born, placed in this manger in Bethlehem to declare God's love to you. For unto you a child is born. God gave his Only begotten son, his valued love son for you because he loves you, so that you could have a counselor, prince of peace, a mighty God, an everlasting father in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's look to the response of the gift of Christ in the wise men in these first few verses of chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Christ is born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod. This is a dark, difficult day for Israel, the days of Herod. Herod's going to kill all of the boys, two and under, in his attempt to try to kill the Christ child. So it gives you the kind of idea of the wickedness that the Israelites were facing. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by what is taking place in our country and throughout our world, especially in the area of politics and in the area of the international scene and what leaders are doing and the decisions that they're is making. This is nothing new. This is the time in which Christ was born. He was born in a time of difficulty. He was born in a time of division. He was born in a time where the Israelites were wanting revolution But the revolution was to be spiritual. It was to be their hearts that would be set free. The wise men decide to come from the east. They saw a sign in verse 2 that led them to Jerusalem. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. They studied the stars and they see a star that's specific, that's unusual, and they say, this is leading to the Messiah, the King of the Jews, we're gonna follow this star and it's gonna lead us to Christ. I'd encourage you to follow the signs that lead to Jesus and you're saying, what are you talking about? I don't see any star up in the skies this evening. Well, that's because we live in Colorado Springs. Get out of the city lights, no. We don't have the, the star in the sky, But we do have signs that lead us to Christ. And maybe you have questions about Christ. His existence, his death, his resurrection. Is it historically provable that Christ rose from the dead? And I suggest to you that it is. Go and do the research. Look at the signs that lead to Christ. These wise men thought it was worth it to investigate this sign that was leading to Christ. In verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Herod, why would he be troubled about this sign leading to the Messiah? Because he's concerned about his throne. He wants control over the Israelites. And if the Messiah has come, he's not going to have the same type of control. Everybody that interacted with Jesus had a response to him. And I find that that's the same today, isn't it? People respond to Jesus. And Herod's response is one of he's worried about losing control. And maybe that's Our response this afternoon, that we're really threatened by Christ, that this Christ child is the king, and he demands to be on the throne of our lives. In verse 4, and when he gathered all the chief priests, and the scribes, and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They have an answer. They knew where the Christ child was going to be born, so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The virgin birth was prophesied. Christ being born in Bethlehem was prophesied. Bethlehem was not the destination city. It was the smallest city in Judah, southern Israel, five miles from Jerusalem. But this would be the place where the Christ would be born and Christ would shepherd my people, Jesus came to be our shepherd, to lead us, to guide us, the good shepherd. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, when they first saw the star in the sky, and sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you've found him, bring back word to me may, that I may come and worship him also. This is feigned worship. This is fake, fake worship. He wants to kill Christ. Verse nine, when they heard the king, they departed and behold the star which was seen in the east went before them. How cool. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. This is the message of Christ's coming. It brings exceeding great joy. It's good news because Christ would die for our sins. He'd pay the price for our sins and they respond with joy. Hopefully we respond with joy as we interact with Christ. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They came into the house. Some time has gone by, we don't know how much, where Christ is no longer in the manger, in the barn, they'd found more suitable location, they're in a home, and they recognize that this is not a normal child, that this is the Messiah, and they fall down and they worship. And hopefully this evening we're worshiping Christ, but how about on Wednesday let's worship Christ as well. How about January 2nd? That's a tough day. Holidays are over, reality hits in, like my goodness, it's 2019, right? I'm not even going to make a New Year's resolution this year. Those are the things we're wrestling with on, on January 2nd. How about worship him on January 2nd? How about May 30th? How about September 2nd? Well, How about all the time, right? Yeah. See, this is more than just a, a holiday, but we, Christ is real. Christ is God. And our response to this gift of Christ going to the cross, to the tomb, to be raised from the dead is then to us to worship him to fall down and worship him make it a lifestyle and they open their treasures before the lord and they give him gold and frankincense and myrrh what do we have to offer the lord maybe you have some treasures to put at his feet but the greatest thing that god is longing for is for your very life for your heart to be a living sacrifice and present it at the feet of jesus Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. God warns them, God intervenes, and they don't go back to Herod. They go home a different way. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Paul says this is a mystery that God came in human flesh justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. What we've seen this afternoon is Jesus coming from glory to the manger, to the cross, to the grave, to the resurrection, to return to glory. Second Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I would think that it would read thanks be to God for his indescribable gifts because God gives every good and perfect gift. But Paul is meditating upon a singular gift and it's the gift of Jesus Christ. Right now, this is a moment of decision. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and give you an opportunity to stand to your feet right where you're at and receive Christ as your Savior. I don't mean to embarrass you by any means, but I want to give you an opportunity to say I'm all in. I don't care who sees if I receive Christ as my savior because Christ stood for you. He stood for you upon the cross. In his love for you, he hung upon the cross. His love for me and he was beaten for my sin and he was beaten for your sin. And as we have read in the scripture, the promise of God is whoever believes is saved. And as you stand to your feet, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer from your heart to receive Christ as your savior. And you're believing what God has said to you as you put your faith in Christ, that you're saved, you're forgiven, that God lifts off the weight of your sin, that you become the child of God. Maybe throughout your life, you've felt like you've never belonged, that you've never been loved that you don't have a future and in this moment as you trust Christ, God says you belong to me. You're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. I died for you so that you can be in relationship with me. I created you and to receive that eternal life. So let's pray together. If you know Christ as your savior, would you be in prayer with me? And if you'd like to receive Christ, I would encourage you to be deciding right now to to choose yes, I wanna receive Christ. So, Father, we seek you. We thank you that you are here with us, that you did send your Son for us. And in a way that you can only communicate through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you show the need for salvation? Would you confirm in the hearts of those that know you that they are the children of God? And those that haven't yet received you, would you reveal to them your love that you created them that you want to be in relationship with them and that you would give them the courage at this moment to to stand to their feet to receive christ as their savior if you feel god touching your heart and you want to receive christ would you stand to your feet and just make it evident just stand right up where you're at say i want to receive christ as my savior i'm all in praise the lord i see in the back standing up praise the lord you guys right here in the front God is good. The Lord's tugging on your heart. This is the moment. Don't wait. If you're upstairs, if you're watching on the live stream, stand to your feet. I just wait for one more moment. Anybody else that says, "I want to be saved. I want Christ to forgive me of my sins," just stand where you're at. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Just stay standing with me and say this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you died for my sins and you rose again. I turn from my sin and receive your forgiveness. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. So God, we thank you, we praise you. We thank you for those that have just received Christ as their Savior. And may you bless them and encourage them.